welcome back to the Forever Broken Podcast. This is part two of the Jeremy Condon episode. This week will not be Failure and Clay Dix. This week will be Slivers. So thank you guys for tuning in. I am your host, Derek Thompson, and with me, not as always, is special co-host Justin Thompson, and usually as always, T.J. Davidson, and we have our special guest on here, Jeremy Condon. We will get you guys right back into this with the action. I just want to say thank you for listening in. This week we will be getting all of the rest of this knocked out, and we will be really taking a good look at life. So thank you guys for listening in. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy the episode, guys. So Jeremy, you've 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 got to this point. You've you've met the perfect woman for you. Um, you guys fall in love, um, and then you were on probation, getting through things. How do you yeah, end so, up? How do you end up falling down so far in your life where you ended up at a fire department somewhere? <laughs> All right. So my wife didn't know about my past, a lot of my past. Okay, and so there would be sheriffs that would come and knock on the door and serve me, you know, letters saying, I, you know, I got to do this or I owe this. So she'd have to pay off some bills. She'd have to, you know, deal with the police for about a year or so into our relationship and, uh, kind of got that all squared away. And she was like, what did I marry into? But like I said, I'm a good guy. Mm -hmm. Just had some, had some things. And so we were talking and, my dad run the uh, the Budweiser or you know the beer distributor down here or up here wherever you're listening from in in North Platte, and uh, he heard me on and I was running a beer route, and uh, I, it just was like you know when I was in the Air Force it was always a dream of mine to be a firefighter. I mean every it's every little boy well not everybody but most little boys it's dream i mean boy's dream. it's every little boy's dream right it's just one of the, it's the greatest job in the world period and i told my wife i said look man like <clears throat> there's no way i could get hired on there's just no way like i have all of these charges you know i've got all of this baggage all of this this stuff going on and she's like have you tried have you tried? And I was like, no, you know, I just, you know, like forward thinking, I fail everything that that's kind of like that, that weird thought that goes through my mind all the time is like, I'll, I'll do this, but I'm just going to fail it anyways. You know, I, and so I thought, no, I haven't tried. I haven't tried. And so I got a lawyer. I was able to go into the lawyer and, uh, and go in front of a judge and have the judge basically state, Hey, you haven't been arrested. I think, by the time I see, I played this all, I timed this all so crazy. I went to school to be a medic and uh, I got my degree and all of that. And by the time I got that done, it had been, I think, somewhere between five and seven years since I had been arrested last. But not since my probation ended, because I had years of probation after my last arrest. But, but since my last arrest, it had been five to seven years. And so I went to the judge and I, I had some people, I don't know, what do they call it when people will say good things about you to a judge? A uh, character reference. Affidavit. Like, yeah, yeah, or character reference yeah. or character affidavit or whatever, right? I had people come in and say, hey, 
this is who he is. This is, you know, this is the type of person he was. The judge went through and he sealed my record so that it's not accessible. I, I didn't have to show it to any employer because the stuff that was on there, I wasn't getting hired anywhere, right? And so they're like, you know, got the record sealed. And you guys didn't know this, but the when I got hired at the fire department in March of 2015, the, uh, the EMS, the state EMS board, they wanted access to my sealed records. Okay. And so I gave them access to those sealed records and they were going to determine whether or not they were going to let me have my state license. And so I had the job already. I was already working there. And I had no idea for like the first two or three months if I was even going to be allowed to be a paramedic. That's fantastic. No the the just, fact that I just you got rolled. away with it. Like, and they, were, they, yeah. they looked at that record like, nah, you know what? Yeah. We need them. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. The, the, look, guys, para, we got a paramedic shortage. This guy's an idiot. He's willing to do it. Look at his past. He's really willing to do anything. Let's just give him a... <laughs> This is a this is a second success though because you're fucking brilliant because you did you went from EMT to paramedic class in like fucking what you did that all in six months. I did it in one year. I did a two year. I did a two year degree in one year. I went straight from EMT, which is there's no fast lining EMT where we take our EMT. There used to be, but when I when I did it, it was just an eight month course. Yeah. So I started in August as an EMT, ended in May, started my medic in May, ended that in August. Had my degree the following May. So in one year, I did two years worth of college. I got my EMT and my paramedic all within one year. Which is I mean, just, just fucking insane. I mean, there's oh, yeah, so much shit that goes into that. Yeah, yeah, there is. And so, but it was all like, like that. Let's let's do it. Let's roll the dice. Like. That's, you know, everything I've ever done is like balls to the wall. If you're going to do it, do it all. If you're going to do the drugs, do all the drugs. If you're going to do the Would you school, say that do all the school. Him? Yes. Yeah. I just, I just got to uh, uh, come in here and be ask, uh, TJ, do you have any questions up to this point right now? Because we haven't heard from you yet. And I know you've got something sitting in your brain, like a, either a one liner or something. Face, he's both confused and excited for where he's so, for Jeremy, do you think Dolly Parton can swim, or does she just have to float? Oh, dude, let's be real about this, man. Dolly Parton is an angel, and I cannot be in this discussion because I honestly respect her too damn much. If you give me any other woman, any name me any other woman, <laughs> the Beatles with large breasts, who the Beatles, the Beatles, dude, John Lennon. Okay, they walk on water. John Lennon. If Cole Willard is out listening right now, please call in and let Jeremy. Yeah, know John Lennon. Please, like, anyway, let's TJ, just talk. TJ, we, TJ, I just TJ. gotta throw this out there. John Lennon is a giant sack of shit human being. Yeah, he was not a good person, man. A lot of people thought he was a good person. He's yeah, he was the thing. biggest piece of shit on earth. I just had to throw yeah, that in there since we brought easy. up the Beatles. He, he was a bad dude. Where are we getting sidetracked? I he can't speak about Dolly Parton because I just think she's just I, – I really have a lot of respect for her, man. But you can her. respect her and say she would float. I 
can't, dude. I can't talk about Dolly. She's like got that. built-in buoys, man. <laughs> Jeremy's down. We lost him. Yeah, yeah. we lost him. He, he's down. He's, he's like uh... <laughs> one question into the, the interview process, and TJ. Yeah, TJ just ruined that. the whole thing. <laughs> one question. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap. I love you, Dolly. I love you. I hope you're listening. But yeah, though I figured he had something good sitting there. I just been watching him with a shit eating grin on his face. You got yeah, he's probably like, dude, this guy's never allowed back on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, he'll yeah. let you back on. This has completely gone off the rails four times. I'm... <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you haven't listened so... to the podcast before, you know we can't stay on topic anyway. So yeah. we'll get we'll get back to it though for sure. Uh, okay, so I get my schooling done. All right, I get it done, and I'm like, I'm gonna go do this fire department thing. Okay, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, we yeah. get so I joined the fire department. Luckily, the the board. I think Doctor Smith was on the board, and I did a lot of my. Uh, um, what's that called when you go in for hospital time? Rock paper. There's like clinical. Clinical. So I did my clinicals at the in the ER, and he knew me really well, and so he he was a kind of a character reference for me on the board and so that's why they ended up passing that license but that whole thing was hanging over my head the whole time out like three months out of the six months i was on probation i never said a word to anybody about that because i was like dude these guys are training me and they're going to be so pissed when i come in tomorrow and say hey the board won't give me a license (laughs) i wouldn't have judged you at all so that would have worked out well yeah so i fall in love with the fire department right i mean Look, guys, it's the greatest job in the world. I love it. I love everything about it. And I was, I was so uh, blown away by – if you've never worked at a fire department before, you would never understand. And it's almost like being in the military, I'm sure, for you, know, you guys. There's a camaraderie. There's, there's something that happens there that you build these connections with people that – they're, they, they're, it's so deep. It's, it's like literally the guy next to me would die for me and I would die for him. Unless it's the name that shall not be mentioned. I would just casually. I would have just away. walked out. I told him yeah, that too. Like, I was well, like, I'll just walk out. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where, and I loved it. And I, and I was working, I was working, I was working. Well, once again, I spent all this time running, right? I, I, you guys are start. are you starting to see the pattern here of like, Hey, I'm going to find this thing. I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to eventually my mental health issues are going to catch up with me and I'm going to spiral down and then I'm going to have to start all over. This is kind of like this repeated repetitive process of my life that I've nailed down. And you can, you might, you know, take a note on that. What's that? It's a science when you do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe quit chalking them up as fails, man, as much as it's just like, you're like a fucking car. You either, you know, electric car, get whatever. You run out of fuel and then you refill and you go on to the next thing. You didn't fail. You just ran out of fuel for that particular area. I mean, and yeah. then you're going on to the next thing and you give it everything you have. But you're you're so good at what you do when you do things. You give it everything you have. I mean, you can only give so much to anything. So I think you yeah. just are trying to get the most out of life. I don't think it necessarily is a fail as much as I think it's just, you're getting every last drop out of life. And most of us can't say that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's I just was really everything I everything I do in my life. I get very very passionate about. I get very very sucked into. I get very drawn into, and I I, I want to be the best. I want to do the best. And so with the, with the fire department thing, it was like okay, I'm, I'm this entry level paramedic. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I want to prove what I've got. I've got to do everything. And then about, what was it, JT? Was it like my third year in when you ripped up my instructions to my microwave dinner? Yeah, and and I personally take responsibility for being not even the straw, the piece of wood <laughs> that broke Jeremy's back. Well, it was like... Let's be honest. You were like a fucking lead first. pipe that broke his back. Like it was it was dude it was i remember that night so vividly <laughs> and at that so this in this moment actually in the eyes of everybody else around us changed our relationship and this is the best part because he's making something in a microwave it's like you get a microwave for two and a half minutes take it out stir it up and then put it back in the microwave this is literally the stuff three-year-olds do so i just <laughs> tore up the instructions because they're not hard cook it till it's warm in the microwave and be done. <laughs> and Jeremy snapped. Well, oh. just absolutely let me have it over this. Uh, it was gold. And our captain at the time was, uh, I think, ready to separate us like children. Yeah, you have to, right? At some point. I had never been so pissed off in my life. <laughs> I have had so much shit happen to me. And that pissed me off. I still, to this day, I have never been as pissed off as I was that day. I walk in, and I just wanted to eat my fucking food. And I was like, where are my instructions? Where's the fucking instructions to my chicken pot pie, bro? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're like, go. Oh. Yeah, chicken, chicken pot, pot pie. And I was like, how am I supposed to know how many more minutes <laughs> this thing's supposed to be in the fucking microwave? How am I supposed to know? Is it four minutes? Is it five? I'm going to burn this motherfucker, and it's all your fault that I'm digging through the trash. I'm trying to put the pieces together, and I said, that's it. I can't fucking take it anymore. I fucking lost it. Oh, so I'm fucking mad at you, dude. So the next fucking day I wake up, and I am fucked in the brain, man. Like, I don't know what happened. This That's that whole dissociation thing kicked in again, right? All of a sudden, my brain just said, hey... We're not doing this anymore. So I completely lose my shit. I go and I'm standing there and I'm like, my hands aren't my hands. I feel like I'm in a movie. Like I try to describe it. Like, have you, have you ever been in a, been in a movie theater or been watching a movie? And as you're watching the movie, you're, you you kind of snap out of like, you're not really there. You're like, you're in the movie, not in the movie, but like, you're so focused in on it. You feel like you're you, there. And then all of a yeah, and then all of a sudden you kind of pop out of it and you realize, oh shit, I'm in a theater. Yeah, you know what I'm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that makes that's a lot of sense. It, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. Is like, I was like, man, I'm in the movie right now, and I can't pop back out into normalcy. And I was like, this isn't good. And so, I go and I I go to the doctor and they give me some drug and I take that drug, and it turns out that that the drug that I have gave me what was called I think serotonin serotonin toxicity i almost said toxic shock syndrome it's like serotonin it was serotonin toxic shock syndrome they're like hey you put the pill in your mouth not your butthole you idiot (laughs) the thing is is i thought all drugs were better in the (laughs) anus 
that's not true. The whole liver. You just want to get right by the liver. That's yeah, you just want to skip the hard parts. You know, don't ruin your liver over it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So this. So what happened was, is I took this pill, and all of a sudden, you know, when you get the goosebumps, every time I got the goosebumps, it felt like my nerves were on fire. So it felt like I was just lighting on fire, and then it go away. And I'd literally stand up and I'd walk around the room like, oh, you know, in tears, like, oh, my God, babe, something's bad wrong. And my my temperature was spiking. The next day I go into the doctor and I'm like, hey, I'm not here, man. And they're like, what do you mean you're not here? And I'm like, listen, man, I'm not here right now. Like, I'm here, but I'm not here. And I remember the doctor going, hey, uh, let's go for a walk. And I was like, that's a great idea. Let's go for a walk. And so we walk from the doctor's office across the street to the hospital and she's like we're gonna admit you now you're gonna go with them and you're gonna go up that elevator and i don't think you're ever coming back you're like so i go up so i go upstairs into the fifth floor and i am i'm gone man like my brain was like no more they start loading me up with drugs right they try this drug. They try that drug. Take this one. Take that one. There's one time I was so high that, you know, there was this little sliver of sunshine coming through the window. I mean, you know, and I was like, I was like this little cat just, and I just crawled <laughs> up on the floor and let that sliver of sunshine come over me. And I slept for 12 hours on the floor. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> dude, dude, Oh, I was just so high, but it was amazing. And then I get to the point where I'm like, dude, I've got to get better. I've got to get right because I was so on all these drugs. My wife came up to see me. And when I was when I was looking talking to my wife, I was like, "Oh my god. Okay. You've got you've got kids. You've got a job. You've you've got to come back. You got to come back." And so I was like, "All right, I'm going to get better. I'm going to lie to the doctor real quick and say everything's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so simple to do. That's the other thing with mental health is how many people out there, you can be suicidal as shit and look someone in the face and be like, dude, I'm doing so good, man. I have honestly, everything, this job is so great. Everything has been so perfect. And I'm dude, I'm playing music again and I'm doing this again. And meanwhile, You've already thought to yourself, God, I wonder how many people show up at my funeral. Yeah. I wonder how I wonder how long it would take my wife and my son and my daughter to get over. It. Like, you th would it, would it hurt them too bad? You, you know, I know it's kind of selfish, but yeah, you you're know, going through the repercussions of your actions. Like, is yeah. it really? Are they really that bad? Yeah, yeah. Like, do I shoot myself or do I take a lot of pills? Do, I don't want to shoot myself in the face though, because I want an open casket. Yeah. Do I yeah. put the toaster yeah. on my the dick or are gonna be looking at that face? <laughs> don't put the toaster on my dick. I want an open casket, but I want to be <laughs> naked. So, you know, you start thinking those thoughts, right? And you could be perfectly okay, and to everyone else, but internally, man, you're you're a wreck, right? So I. I do this thing where I'm like, all right, I am going to fake this. I'm going to tell the doctor what they need to hear, and I'm going to go home. And so I do that. I tell them exactly what they need. Oh, yes, I feel great. I'm, you know, 100% okay. And, you know, the the benzo, the Xanax you put me on, it's doing its job. I feel wonderful. 
and I'm, I'm ready to go home. And they're like, okay, let's have you stay one more day. And if everything is all right, then okay, one more night, no problem. That night in my room, I'm still out of my mind. I'm bawling into my pillow. You know, the nurse comes in to check on me and I'm like, just pretend like I'm asleep. You know, it's, like, it's just, you know, the next day I come, she comes in, the doctor comes in. How'd you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm great, man. So I go home. I call my uh, captain at the time and I say, hey, I'm doing good. You know, things are just a little weird right now, but I'll be all right. You know, and he's like, come back to work, get back into a routine. And I'm like, good idea. Let's just go right back to work. And that's what I did. That turned out to be a very, very bad idea. Uh, we can get into that later. But I went right back to work and just kept moving forward. The whole time I'm in this dissociative state, I'm taking Xanax. I'm a complete wreck. And I stayed there for a very, very long time. For years and years, I stayed screwed up. And looking back now, I wish I would have just said, I need to stop. Right now, I'm not okay. I need to stop. I need to take some time to get better, and then I'll come back. If I could go back in time, I think that possibly could have prevented a lot of shit in my future time at the department. So let's get to the end of this, right? So I'm, I, I get through to... It's seven years you're fully vested at, at North Platte Fire Department. Seven years. I get to six years and like nine months and I could not work another shift because I had been carrying so much weight in my head, in my brain and so much, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. On my medication, I started at a half a milligram to one milligram to two milligrams to three milligrams to four to five milligrams to six milligrams. And it was just keep, it just kept going up and up and up and up and up. And I thought, dude, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I am so fucked up that I can't keep moving forward anymore. I have to stop this now. And it was like, when that, when that moment dawned on me, it was, it was heartbreaking because I absolutely loved being a paramedic and I absolutely loved being a firefighter. And I'll tell you this much too, I, I worked with Justin for my whole career. Mm -hmm. And when I got moved away from him, he was another one of those people in my life that kind of kept me centered. I could come to work and if I was fucked up, he was one of those, he was an anchor, you know? And when I lost that anchor, it was like, it's over. I'm, I'm screwed. I'm now, now what? I can't talk to this guy about it. I can't talk to this guy about it. I can't talk to that. Derek, you'd been gone on injury for. Yeah. I think most of my career. Yeah. Yeah. You were gone. A, you were gone a lot. I mean, you just hurt yourself. And so you, you lose those anchors in your life. If you, if you're a person that suffers from mental, mental health and you lose those anchors, it's, it's devastating. It's truly devastating because now it's like, I don't even want to be here, you know? And so I had to sell my house. Um, we moved in with my dad. We had to downsize. We had to find a place where it was like, we can live underneath just my wife's paycheck. We have to, 
rearrange life entirely. And look, I'm, I'm going to be 40 years old and I'm starting all over again. And it's like one of the most depressing, terrible feelings in the world to go from a job where you feel needed, where you feel wanted, where you feel proud, where you're like, look at this on my shirt. Mm -hmm. This, you know, like we had that you could wear a t-shirt or you could wear our class B with the badge and the name tag. And I was like, dude, I'm class B in it every day because this badge is the most important thing outside of my wife and my kids, of course, but the most important accomplishment of my entire life. And I want anyone and everyone to see this badge on my chest every single time I step in that door. It was like, I don't want the stupid little uh, ironed on logo. I want that shiny piece of metal on my chest. I, I think want, the you know, iron ons look really good, especially the one at Justin's chest right now. I think they look great. You know? Yeah, except for I can't tell what it says. Uh, it actually it says, I think it might be a New York Yankee shirt. Yeah, actually, this is. <laughs> you just, yeah, that's it. Jeremy just died on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the only medic. We, we killed a man. Uh, that's that's what it is. It does. It looks like the Yankees. That's so true. Yeah. But you know right? what? The Yankees, not to burn the shirt. All right, I know. I'll, I'll call oh, them. Fuck. Uh, but to, to lose that, it's, it's crushed me, man. It crushed me. So what was the hardest part about transitioning away from that? Uh, now that you've started this new chapter in your life, like for a lot of us, you know, it is, it's difficult. And most people fortunately don't have to go through that, but a lot do. So what's the hardest part of transitioning out of that? I had to do it in the military and then again with the fire department. So I get it. But um, from your aspect and your experience, what was the hardest part of it? Uh, for me, it's, what what sucks is 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 I chalk it up as another fail, right? Mm -hmm. Like here here we go again. My mental illness has once again robbed me of something that I really really desired. I really wanted to be a musician. My mental illness got in the way. I really really wanted to have a career in the military. My mental illness got in the way. I really wanted to be a firefighter and a paramedic. My mental illness got in the way. It's just this repetitive revolving door. It just goes around and around and around. And then you get to this point where you're like, man, I'm, I'm midway through my life. I've got to start over. And not only that, but you just stole from me the one thing that I was really fucking good at. Like I was really, really good at taking care of people. Yeah. I was really, really good at taking care of the people around me. And the people around me were really, really good at taking care of me. And so it was this thing that it was like, God, how, why does this keep happening? Do you know what kind of shame goes through your mind when you have to look at your wife and be like, dude, we can't live here anymore. This, this big house with this pool that's all been remodeled where, where we literally have to have an intercom system to talk to each other because I'm too – I had a refrigerator in my room because the other refrigerator was so far away that I was like, dude, I'm not walking all that way just to get my Snickers ice cream bar. I'm going to have it right in the corner. You know, like we have to give this up. What did my wife have to go through? She's watching me unwind again. My children 
what the hell is going on with dad? Whoa. Why are, we, why are we having to sleep all in the same room at grandpa's house? Why don't we have our big house anymore? My teenage son, I'm not bringing anybody over here. We all sleep in the same bedroom. You know how embarrassing that is? I mean, it was just like, oh my God, I just, I have failed my wife. I have failed at life. I have failed my family, my friends. People are going to, you know how many times I've heard People be like, oh, you're not at the fire department anymore? What the hell? Like, what are you going to do? You know, like, that was my identity. That was who I was. Oh, my cousin's a firefighter. My brother's a I firefighter. Think, my son's a firefighter, you know? I think you, you hit it on the head there, and I think that's what... So, my question to you, now now that you are... You're, you're, you're still in it. Right, like this is not this stage is still not over because you're still transitioning, right? And it, I think the thing you just hit, and I think any anybody who is in these jobs where your service to others is first, and you really take pride in the job, not necessarily the income. You're you're doing it because you feel in your soul it's the right thing, and that becomes your identity. So, for anybody out there who's struggling with that identity piece. What, what have you done, and what what should we be doing to start to separate from ourselves? Our job titles are not our identities. You know, when well, you go up and you meet somebody all the time, and say, hey, "My name's Tom." It's, oh, who are you? What do you do? Oh, I'm a plumber. Well, that's not who you are. That's a profession along the way. But how do we start to put into people what? what their identity is or how do we how do we teach our kids what what does that look like for you as you're refiguring out like your identity's never been your job your identity's not failure your identity's not musician so, there's something else because when you have things like this happen and PTSD or trauma and you have to separate now you've tied your identity to something that you actually have no control over that's not who you are it may or may not be true about you. So what, what does that look like? How do you deal with that? And, and what are the next steps for people looking at that? Yeah, so for me, what I've always done, anytime I run into these situations, and, and it's been, like I said, unfortunately, with my diagnosis, it's just not, not it's atypical, right? Yeah. It's not something where you just take a pill and you're not depressed anymore. Or you talk, do some talk therapy, and you you work through your problem. There's actually something like broken up there that that isn't right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not not your normal thing. And so, what I do is I I allow myself to go through a grieving process. And and for me, like uh, you know, when I left the fire department, within a week, I was crying myself to sleep about, about it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night crying. I put all of I put my stethoscope away. I put my bunker gear and and all you know the paper clips and all that kind of stuff. I where I couldn't even see it. I was in you know denial, you know. And then I got pissed. And then you know like there's there was even a bargaining stage. Like I might even be in that right now. You know you might be able to identify that as me. Hey, can I come back? Yeah. Can I do this again? Can I? Uh, who do I got to call? Should I reapply? You know. 
So remember all of those, what is it? Denial, anger, grief, bargaining, acceptance. Yeah. Is that how that, yeah. right? And those can go in any order, right? Yeah. So at first it was, it. yeah. So at first it was, it was, it was denial. I, I didn't want, didn't want, you know, this, this, this isn't happening. I'm not, you know, everything's going to be fine. You know, we're, we're going to make it. And, and, you know, th that place sucked and it wasn't for me any, you know, and all this, you know, just, that everything comes to denial. And then there was the, the grief stage was just so long and I'm still kind of in it where it was like, man, that hurts. It hurts that this happened again, mm -hmm. you know, but, and then there was the, um, the, the bargaining of, of maybe I can go back. Maybe that's the thing to do is just go back and, and to try to put it everything away and, and and if I go back, I'll just try to act like nothing happened, and that'll fix everything. And and so, hey, who can I talk to? Who can I call? Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. And I only want to listen to the opinions that I want to hear. Mm -hmm. So when you tell me I don't know, I'm like, no, fuck you. That's not the answer. You should say yes, Jeremy, do it, because I'm an impulsive person. You tell me to do it, I'm gonna do it, right? And then he finally get to that kind of acceptance stage of you know what. That's not who you are. You're like you said, the job title isn't who you are. I'm an incredible dad. Yeah. I'm an incredible, incredible husband. I'm still an incredible musician in my mind and in my ears. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, you I don't are. care don't, what you think. Yeah, don't. You know, it, but, but it doesn't matter to me what anybody thinks about that because when I sit down and I play, to me, it's like, God. I'm really good at this and I love this. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things about me that are amazing. I just have that one little tick, that one little thing that's that's broken up there and I've accepted that it's broken. You know, and and like I can't, I can't I wish I could I want to reiterate this again because it's very important to to understand that that <clears throat> my particular diagnosis is is just a fucked up it's just a it's just a bad one. You know, it's one that you don't walk away from. It's like, uh, it's it's just a little deeper than than some other ones, right? And the PTSD, man, that's legit terrible shit. And, and you can, I I don't know if you can even get through that or if you can ever get through PTSD. I don't even think PTSD is a curable thing. I I think there's always, I think there's always going to be triggers. And there's how do you stop nightmares? From so I don't like the idea that you know, it's labeled as like a disorder so much because it's an injury. I mean, it's yeah something yeah. that is something caused this. It wasn't just, you know, I woke up and I was fucked up today. That's other shit. Those are actual disease processes. PTSD yeah. or post-traumatic stress. I prefer to just call it that, but yeah, it's not labeled that. So or PTSI. Yeah, you know, it's it's an injury and like any injury, it can be dealt with. It's not to say that it's not always going to be there. If you end up with your leg amputated, you get a prosthetic. The injury's there. Yeah. But you learn yeah. how to work through that. You start doing the physical therapy on your legs and you how to use that prosthetic. And this is no different to me anyway, when we have PTSD or we have something like this, it's an injury and we just have to go through the physical therapy steps needed to get through that. And right now we don't really have the science. It's not that it's not 
it's impossible. It's just that we're not there yet. So as we go, you know, we can start to change that. And it's going to take seriously addressing this and recognizing it as an injury and a real thing. But eventually we'll get there, you know. And every day is just another step in our journey of rehabilitating ourselves from this. And it's just a matter of what's working, what's not working. But eventually we're there. We're going to have, you know, the flashbacks or you're going to have that moment where you have those nightmares. And those aren't going to go away. But how do I deal with those? So if I see... You know, we were in Afghanistan and there's an IED. I'm looking for IEDs when I come home, right? Now I see a bottle. The first time I see that bottle on the side of the road, I jerk the steering wheel, turn away from it. I have a panic attack. I freak out a little bit. The next time I see it, I'm starting that process where I'm telling myself, hey, it's just a water bottle. We're not there anymore. But I still have that anxiety inside me. And then, you know, a hundred times later of doing it, I just drive by the water bottle and I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Everything that we're doing with PTSD is just a matter of trying to rehabilitate ourselves and learn how to deal with that. So it's one of those things like I just would encourage you not to think of it as I'm broken. I mean, we kind of are taking that by the horns with the show. And that's the idea behind the forever broken moniker is saying if you're going to call me broken, yeah, I'm broken. But yeah, but, but God damn it, I'm going to be good at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I, I, and I, I, I understand what you're, what you're getting at. And I think mental health is, it, it, as a man, if you, if you are break, and Jeremy, I think you dealt with this. It was frustrating. It was frustrating to hear it on my end. I think it's frustrating on your end. And I think for so many people, and, and again, I, I focus on this, the service people, first responders, law enforcement, fire, EMS, military, because I kind of have relationships. Both my brothers are military, so I, I have concern there. We work with police officers, and but there's this alpha mentality of everybody likes to be the alpha, or I'm an alpha guy, and it, and it's 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 exhausting because it's just complete nonsense. Um, so when you say like, Hey, I have PTSD, you get a, a weak label, right? So, so, and you talked about shame and guilt, like the immediate shame and guilt that's put on top of us when we don't meet, usually it's our own expectation, right? But there's, there's our, our fear or anxiety of it's not going to meet my wife's expectation. It's not going to meet my kid's expectations or I'm it's not going to make captain's expectations. You know, when you have, when you're in these services and everything is, hey man, I'm, I'm coming up. I'm going to work my way through. And then when you fail, you, you always have that next person who's whoever, right? So we, we want to soften it. I don't know what it looks like, but you have a bad day. You guys, anybody work with a dick in the world? Like some guy who's just once always a dick. That's not a, like that's not a mental illness. So why is that? Like if you have a bad day and you come in and you're you're sad, you're mad, whatever it is, because you're protecting yourself from that trauma, or you have a moment where, like Derek was saying, like I didn't jerk the wheel this time, or hey, rather than uh, completely cut myself off 
from all my loved ones. Today, I just I pushed one person away. Right? You make a little improvement every time you go through something. Why, why do we have to carry this label of, well, it's a, it's a mental disorder? Well, when he's a dick, he's just being a dick. When so-and-so over there cries, they're just crying, and they just had a bad day. When I do it, it's, well, they're broken. They're, yeah. they're disease. They're mm-hmm. whatever BS people say to, to almost put, put you at a lower class. Why, why can't we move that forward? Why can't we say, why can't we look at it from, from that angle? Like, why does it have to be you're weak, you're broken? You're not broken. You're just, you're going through this ever-changing, ever-exhausting life that nobody else will ever experience. Your, your experience from birth to death will be unique in every single way. But we, we try to lump people together by, well, they had a bad day. And they saw this, and because I don't understand it, they're broken. Mm-hmm. I actually, yeah, I think people forget. No, go ahead, Jeremy. You're good. I think people forget that uh, that 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 whole DSM five that lists all the things that are that could possibly be wrong. I think people forget that that's just being called human. It's it's human to be sad some days. Yeah. It's human to be sad sometimes. It's human to have anxiety. It's human to be stressed. It's human to to obsessively think about something. You know, when it tips over into the unhealthy portion, you know, that's when we seek treatment, right? And I think it's also knowing your opponent. I mean, both of you guys are cage fighters, right? Both of you were into mixed martial arts. You you have to know you don't don't shake your head with him ugly ass cauliflower ear coming at me like <laughs> can't even use my earbud. I was so proud of those AirPods and I was like, hey man, try my AirPods. And you can't even get it into that nasty cauliflower <laughs> ear of yours. It's one of the, the, the so I, I'm proud of my wife, <laughs> my children, and this ear. Nothing else in my <laughs> life would be happy if I could get the but other But I mean, one. think about this. You got to know your opponent, man. You can't just go in. And say, "Hey, I'm going to fight so and so, right?" You, you, well, exactly you did. What I did. Well, that's yeah. exactly what you do. Actually, <laughs> that you I just so, go in. So, but no. So here's here's where I would challenge. Here's where I would challenge that thought process. It's not knowing your opponent. It's knowing yourself. Carl Jung said, "For a tree to grow to heaven, its roots have to grow to hell." Right. And, and I think that's in Jordan Peterson's Maps of Meaning book. And and, and I think Jordan Peterson puts it. Even even more beautifully or more bluntly, I don't know how you look at it, but a, a dangerous man is a good man because he knows the very worst parts of himself and the, the very things that he is afraid of himself, but he controls them. And so rather than knowing our opponent, our opponent isn't the disease. Our opponent isn't the other people. Our opponent is ourselves because like you said... Yeah. Like those days where your your self sabotage, your whatever it is, your fear of people figuring you out, people people realizing that you had some things happen that you're not proud of, whatever, you know, that shame and that guilt of the devil. And I you go get into belief and those kinds of things, but that's that that's the devil himself putting it on you to separate you from the things you love. And we we do that 
because we think it's everybody else. And then you got to you really have to dive yourself and you're one of the most self-aware people I've ever met. So so as people hear this, the reason Jeremy can say like this I know about myself, this I did this and this XYZ, it's because he's never passed responsibility, right? You've always been willing to, hey, this is me doing this and I'm a I know I did it, or I know this happened, but I'm in control, and I know where it's coming from, so I'm going to address it. And you got to step into that. Yeah. But that's knowing those roots. That's knowing how bad you can be. And if you really want greatness or the good in your life, then, and, and like you said, you're a great dad. A lot of people who probably listen to this, they struggle with that moment where they go, I, I failed everybody. If, if you have kids, it, it's almost sad, but... There's nothing you can do outside of a few. I mean, there's a few things, but you can fail at your job. You can fail at a million things, but those kids look at you and they don't care. Yeah, they don't see it. No, they, yeah, see, they, they don't, don't see, see it as a fail. They see mom. They see, yeah, they see the thing that you lost about yourself along the way through your experience. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, my daughter, when I walked in uh, with my post office outfit on, my daughter, the first thing she says is, oh, daddy, you look so handsome in your in your uniform. Mm -hmm. It meant nothing that there wasn't that big, shiny badge on my chest anymore. That meant nothing to her. Yeah. It was just you look, look at you, dad. You look so handsome in your new uniform. How was your day? Today? You know, those are the little the exact exactly what you're saying. She she doesn't see that. She just sees daddy. And, you know. And, you know, you go back to, like, let's, let's revisit this and, and rephrase this. Knowing your opponent also means you have to know yourself, though, yep. is what I guess what I was trying to get to. Because if I were to get into the cage with you, like when you and I used to, to roll right at work, I knew what you were going to do to me. I knew it. And I knew what my strengths were, but I also knew your strengths, mm -hmm. right? And I knew that you were going to try and smother me and I have to do everything I can to stop you from getting on top and, and basically using your body weight and using your much, much stronger than I am. So I knew that about you. And so I thought everything at this point is I've got to use leverage. I can't overpower him. There's no way. I can't outsmart him because he already knows what I'm doing because he's very well versed in jujitsu. So there's no way that he knows what I'm trying to do. So what can I do? I can use my length, I can use my leverage, and I can hang on for dear life. So that's me knowing I'm really fucking good at hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And so if I just got to hold, if I got to throw an underhook and then grab on to your, you know, underhook your right arm and, 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 and grab on to your left leg and take two of your limbs out and just hold it there for five minutes, I won. I won. Mm -hmm. I knew my opponent, but I also knew how to defeat it because I knew myself. And that's how I've gotten through all of this is I knew, I knew my opponent. I knew his strengths. I knew his weaknesses. And I knew my strengths. And I knew my weaknesses. And I knew what I have to do when I left the fire department. I can't take my mentality that i had at the fire department and walk into the post office with that mentality i can't walk in pissed off i can't walk in oh here we go again i can't walk in with that attitude that i know 
right away, I could get sucked back into that super easily. In fact, I read somewhere that, that people who quit their jobs, when they start a new job, they're not satisfied because they bring that old baggage from their old job to their new job with them. Mm-hmm. So they end up in this, this cogwheel of, of misery. And so for me, it was like, I'm going to start this post office job. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fucking smoke it. I'm going to case the mail faster than everyone. I'm going to deliver the route faster than everyone. I'm going to figure out the most accurate and most, um, uh, you know, time, time, whatever the word is, way to do it. And I'm going to impress the shit out of everybody. And I'm going to impress the shit out of myself. And I'm going to come home and I'm going to be satisfied. At the end of the day, I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be satisfied that, one, I woke the fuck up. Yeah. I got out of bed and I started moving. And if I can just keep doing that every single day. Yeah, you're just a lobster, right? You're just a lobster. Right? I think the first half of that was actually the most long-winded uh, fat joke ever, I think, is what that was supposed to be, actually. I think it was just him <laughs> calling you fat, Justin. Uh, Listen, but man. I had I had he two things I had taken like away from a whale. from stuff. Uh, and first, uh, just to go back and revisit the uh, our you know who we are conversation where we were talking about you know we're not that label uh, that building yeah. grit book that I had sent uh, when we talked with Nick Wingo about Condon also send you the uh, specific insert from it and you should get the book. But he talks about that and he does this long like actual basically a poem uh where he just asks who am i and he goes through kind of his mental thought process that he took into i'm not the label i'm not a firefighter that's not who i am i am me and uh it's a great great deal and i think you should read that and then i had that talk i was laughing in my head when you brought up the alpha male thing because i used to have my first like oh shit moment of yeah this is this is a weird thing so what's your first immediate thought when somebody says toxic masculinity to me yeah (laughs) look man i don't even know what that means i don't even know i think I don't even know what toxic masculinity is, man. Like, are you try- like when they try to tell you that being a man is a bad thing, that uh, being hardworking is a bad thing, that being uh, sh- having discipline? Are you talking about like um, standing up and raising my kids to be strong, to be men, and uh, to? I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like this, this toxic masculinity thing, I don't, I don't understand it because I feel like men, if men can't be men, then what are we then? But that was, that, this was my, this was my moment. So I thought the same thing where I was like, I'm a man. This is what I do. Hmm? I said, play the happy music again. You said, this is your moment. So the music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll play the happy moment. Replay it now, so it brings it to. Oh, full circle, yeah. Brings the show together. Yeah, no, it was, uh, but it was this weird moment because every time I thought about toxic masculinity or whatever you want to fucking call it, I was just like, 
eh, it's just a bullshit term for people to say that men shouldn't be men. Like that was my immediate thought. But then, so we had Nick on and we talked about the science behind crying and we talked about all these traits. And then we kind of talk about, uh, you know, sachet and like Justin was talking about having emotions and knowing our emotions and talking about that. That's something we were taught not to do. We were told not to cry growing up because we're men, right? And so I brought this up at physical therapy and I didn't call it toxic masculinity. I just said, I said, yeah, it's kind of bullshit that, you know, men aren't allowed to cry or whatever. And she goes, yeah, what is that? Like toxic masculinity or some shit? I went, oh, that's what they're fucking getting at is that toxic masculinity. I think it's apparently, and maybe this isn't what most people think, but this is what I got from it was that we're just saying that. Toxic masculinity is that fact that we're being told we can't have emotions. And now I'm looking at it completely different from how I did three days ago. Cause she said that and I just went, Oh shit. Yeah, no, that is bullshit. We should have emotions. We should be able to be in charge of our emotions. We should be able to share those emotions and I shouldn't be judged by my emotions. I shouldn't be, have to sit there and say, I'm sad. And then he goes, well, you're a pussy. No, I'm not a pussy. I'm stronger than you because I can be in charge of my emotions. And I need to be able to show my kids that it's okay to have emotions. So all these things that we've been told for so long about how we're just being giant pussies by having all these things. Now, like I'm looking at it in retrospect going, oh yeah, now I get it. It kind of makes more sense to me now. But I, it was just weird that he brought up the alpha thing because I was like, you know, there's still alpha beta males, you know, but it's like. Yeah, we got to rechange the, you know, verbiage on that. What is an alpha male? What is a beta male? Because as life goes on and as few a hundred years from now, everyone's going to say we're all pieces of shit anyway, because yeah. things are going to change. So the, hold on. though. Yeah, so, I guess. Well, so before you, I mean, so you're saying toxic masculinity in. Like, like you said, you allude to a bunch of stuff like so. That term gets used when weak men do stupid things to cover for their fear and security, right? Could that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that would be a fair assessment. So yeah, yeah, because so this is the thing that gets me is I don't. I guess I don't even understand what that is because. Well, that's what I'm I, saying. I, I didn't I, either. I've never. Yeah, because I've never had a problem crying. I've never had a problem expressing my you guys know this i i, I yeah, wear you, my emotions on my sleeve you said a, a yeah exactly and um, i would never yeah. <laughs> i never thought you were a pussy for it you know what i mean but now i'm just yeah, sitting there I'm looking at it different i just it changed the way i looked at it because i never really thought about it because i just you know i took like the alpha male like well you know toxic masculinity is just their way of saying that i'm not allowed to be a man and then now I'm kind of just like looking at like, oh, well, maybe that's not that whatever I, I'm saying. I get so sick when, I mean, when you hear the personality thing and everybody keeps saying like, it's an alpha job. That term at this point has become so frustrating because with, if, if you look at true masculinity for what it, it should be or, or was meant to be, it's none of the things. When I'm an alpha male means I'm not going to cry or I don't understand people who cry, you're not an alpha male because you're not in touch yeah. with the entire picture of yourself. If you're a 
person who leans into belief of what God said is masculine and have Christianity faith, I, I wonder if you've really thought about when uh, God made a whole male, he made the perfect masculine male in his own image, that image included all of those emotions he gave us. That means the ability to cry. That did Jesus? Jesus was somehow related to. Hold on. Everyone. Cousins with God, right? So he was down. No, his son. So he was God, right? And he wept for his <laughs> friends. And he, <laughs> he, he got angry. He felt fear. He he felt all of those things. And if he's the perfect image of, of masculinity, which I I mean we have to hope. And that's your end, isn't it? <laughs> so you the the thought is we we hear this term toxic masculinity and then the alphas in the room, I don't cry, I don't feel this. The the emotions they connect with most are what? Anger, maybe some excitement, but they turn scared, they turn happy, they turn sad into anger and all those other things. So is toxic masculinity masculinity? Like, yeah, that's we, what I'm getting at. This is what this was I, the weird fucking thing for me. It was just like I'm just like we have to completely like redefine all this stuff because I think the whatever the hell is out there right now is so inaccurate and such bullshit. It just doesn't work. It's like the sheep and wolf thing. I think it's just a shit comparison. Like yeah, listen, man. When you, you're the sheepdog, right? That there's the sheep and the wolf. I'd rather be the sheepdog in the whole thing rather than even the wolf. Like the wolf is the big, bad, scary one. Well, in all reality, the sheepdog is the, the one who's kept everybody safe, put the, the, the wolf in line, he protected the sheep. So there's we, we like to label everything, yeah. whether that's us or them, right? You're immediately there. Connor, you're a Beatles guy, right? Yeah. Your team Beatles. If somebody says Rolling Stones are greater than Beatles, what have you done? I, well, you're... Well, you judge wrong. them partially. I, yeah. First <laughs> off, you're wrong. But, second off, uh, But we start picking right. team. We become this, this, this weird thing. This, this We like to separate each other. And, and for yeah. men, we, we do that. And, and, and Nick Wingo, who... Condon, I think we could make that happen. Um, the Wingo, Wingo really pointed to like none of that's true, right? Like, I'm lost for a second. You come back to us. Come you, back to us. There. Don't do it. Walk me through. Walk me through. I will say this. Hold on. Before oh, then, we'll walk Wingo's you through. Uh, TJ has left the building. TJ has yeah, left TJ the building. Uh, so we will, uh, I do want to thank him for his time, even though he's already gone. So just so everyone knows, you won't hear from TJ any more than you usually do or any less. <laughs> I think what you're trying to say is, uh, or, or to help you get back on track, is there's division in labels. We want to create a red team and a blue team. Yeah. We want to create a... Uh, you know, the 
the Cowboys or the Packers. Yeah. We the divide judge, ourselves. But so we put a judgment, yeah. and that's what it was. Wingo's talking on judgment and all those things. Like if somebody has PTSD or they have an emotion that you don't like, so you alpha up or you judge them, whatever, whatever. When, when you get called weak, I mean, like that is somebody who that judgment is about themselves. When I judge somebody else, that's about me and my my crap. And if if we could, as a whole, when we're we're dealing with people who are struggling, and even ourselves, like would we put like, oh, that guy's weak, and we look back in the mirror and say, where am I weak? Where am I? Mm-hmm. Where am I lack? Where what piece is missing for that complete masculinity? That masculinity comes with, and Wingo talked about the feelings wheel. For all you guys out there, you can look it up on the Google machine. Or uh, if you go onto the Facebookers, uh, maybe even the Gram, uh, Nick Wingo posted. He's got this feelings wheel that takes the six kind of core emotions and then breaks them down into subcategories, and it'll help you start to realize like this weird thing I'm feeling. And Nick even talked about where do you feel it? So like when I feel happy, I feel it in my chest. When I feel fear, I feel it in like the back of my legs. My legs start to get weak. When I feel anger, I feel it in my neck and my head. When you start to associate those feelings with an actual physical feeling, you can start to recognize when they're coming. You can be aware of them. And I think it's a great tool, especially for people who are struggling with trying to get the emotions, trying to figure out where these judgments are coming from, and trying to figure out why sometimes it doesn't make sense. But when you start yeah. to feel that in your chest, like when you, and I think you guys know, man, when I start to get the, that butterflies in my stomach, what is that? It's men we say, well, I just don't know. I'm going to turn into anger, though. I'm going to, yeah. this, yeah. this is angry. I'm going to make myself angry now because that's fear. And rather than addressing that fear, that hard conversation with another man, that telling somebody maybe something you don't want to, you think they might get mad about, that anxiety, whatever it is, you know what? I'm just going to make it angry. I'm going to yell at them. And then <laughs> like they're going to think, maybe I'm just a bit nuts. Maybe my PTSD is acting up. And Crazy old Jeremy just having a bad day, right? Yeah. But if you start to get in control of that and you start to suck back in masculinity, uh, I think you can start to have those hard conversations. And, and yeah, it's a good topic. I heard something today where somebody said, like, well, if you go to a therapist, and I think, Jeremy, you may have been to one or two or seven. All of them in North Platte, well, at least. But so if you go talk to those people, like having an idea of how you're stepping into that and being able to just say, like, this is where I'm at with it. This is how I feel with it. And then they're not going to give you a new feeling. They're not going to make you touch you. They're not going to say, well, you need a safe place. I'm going to write you a note for work, and you're going to have a little safe place. And anytime you get upset, you just go there. They're going to help you cope. They're going to help you deal. And as we're, we're trying to tackle getting people away from suicide, we're trying to tackle pulling people back in from the edge knowing that like going to a counselor is not going to do anything except let you understand where that emotion, where that feeling, where that is coming from to pull you back into actual masculinity. You're not weak. You're not the beta male. You're none of those things. And reaching out for help and then looking to understand yourself fully will help you protect against that toxic masculinity that society wants to put on guys because they're lashing out because they are afraid to step into hard shit. 
Yeah, I feel like yeah. we're not really actually yeah, I, addressing the real issues. We're just kind of masking it, you know, throwing Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid on top of the ship. Jeremy, what did you throw at it? So let's talk, let's quick talk. So, and I think, Jeremy, it's way past your bedtime. I got a few things, if you guys are cool, like knock these out. But you talked about it. What was your coping skills when, when you had trauma early to today? What, is it, what does that well, look like? Sure. I mean, just from a very, very early age, I had to learn to, um, I had to learn to just, like I said earlier, I just, just keep going. Like you can't, you can't stop. Yeah. Everything, even when everything inside of you is screaming, I've had enough, no more. I can't take it another day. I can't, I can't take this feeling anymore. I can't, I can't deal with this or I can't deal with that. One more thing goes wrong. You know what? It, it's like break. I, I look for what I call slivers and it, and a, a little sliver, maybe it's just looking up at the sky and seeing the clouds and, and the sun coming through. And, and maybe that might, I just hold on to that little sliver, mm-hmm. man, that was gorgeous. What a beautiful creation. What a beautiful thing we're a part of in life. Everything else right now is falling apart, but in this in this little sliver in time, this is the most beautiful sunset or sunrise or 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 autumn day I've seen in a long time. Or I I come home and my my son tells me, "Hey, uh, I made the team." You know that that's a little sliver. Yeah. You know any of these little tiny things in life. Maybe I wake up and uh, I roll out of bed and I I slept the whole night through. I'm going to hang on to these little things. And, and, and the more of these I can gather up, the more of these slivers, eventually I have enough to build something with. You know what I'm saying? Like, so when you're in the lowest of low and the worst of the worst and you feel like nothing, start gathering these little, these little slivers. Start gathering these little twigs. Sooner or later, you can build something with that. You know, and so it's like right now i'm starting over and i'm starting with slivers man i'm trying to see the good in going to work at a <clears throat> at 40 years old pretty much in a part-time position you know it's a cca it's not even a full-time position so i'm working part-time but that's okay because someday it'll be a regular mm-hmm. and once i make regular then i get retirement and i get benefits and i get all these good things and i get two days off a week you know and, and so I, I'm gathering up all the what, what's that like to build a fire kindling. with the kindling? Yeah, yeah. If, if that's all it takes, and sometimes the kindling isn't a, a twig. Sometimes it's just a sliver, and if with the slivers and then the the twigs and then eventually it sticks and it's branches and then eventually it's logs and before you know it, I've built something again, and that's how I keep going. It's like I you can't stop, you can't let go, you can't hang. I mean. The stuff that happened to me in my past, it it sometimes it just hangs there and it, it won't go away. Mm-hmm. And and it, that, that I think a lot of it was like with like we talked about with PTSD. You can't control what you dream of. When you close your eyes and fall asleep at night, you can't tell yourself, "Hey, I don't want to think about that time this happened. I don't want to have a dream about when this happened or or what yeah. that." You can't control that. But what you can control is 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 knowing, like I said earlier, knowing your enemy and knowing yourself, knowing what you have to do, cling on to any little thing you can to get you through to the next minute, the next hour, 
the next day. I just, that's the way I've always done it. It's like, I've got to keep pushing forward because if I stay still, if I just, if I stand here, I'll drown. Yeah. And I know that about myself. I know exactly what would happen if I just were to. And I'm not. Ta- I'm not saying like be. I'm not saying be. There's a difference between knowing how to be still and being stagnant. If you, you follow, yeah, no, like, I get what I you're saying. You know what I'm saying? If I stay stagnant, that I'll drown. Well, it's I, one it's of those over. things. It's like it's, it's you done. can you can either live life and go too hard or you can be lazy and just sit there. You have to find that happy medium. So, you know, for you, that's just that keeping moving and keeping going thing. And I liked what you said there, but you know, you can't control uh, your night dreams. It's been a recurring theme. I've noticed here lately. You know, I, if somebody tells, if I tell you, think of a dog, you can't control that. You're thinking of a dog. You're just, yeah. It's like, you can't control your thoughts. You can only control what you do with it. Like you can only control your reaction. So I just think that's a fun recurring thing that I've noticed. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately your, your coping skills have changed though, right? Like right now, like you said, to, to be able to take the little things, eventually you build a fire, you build the fire to keep you warm. You build the fire to, to feed your family. You build the fire to grow a community, right? Like it starts small. So, so take a hold of the little things. Um, you just, I want to touch on it because I think for any, anybody who's out working these jobs, I think it's really important to know. And you talked earlier about, Hey, if I'd have known, like when I came out of uh, the behavioral health unit, I could have taken time and I could have got that taken care of something for, for everybody to know, you know, your, your FMLA laws, when, when something like this happens and you're, you're not feeling ready get get educated figure out what that looks like because you have certain rights where you don't have to just rush back to work if you need time there's there's things in place to protect you so you don't rush back you don't end up in a place where you're right back where you were so so for people you got what 12 weeks of unpaid leave guaranteed in a calendar year if you've worked a full year you need some medical documentation but but take that if you need it um like you said you felt like maybe a little more time off would have helped. And we, we have to be educated about that. We have to step into that. I think in the fire service, police service, a lot of times things like that are overlooked because it is a mm-hmm. job. Everybody's tough. So who makes it work? Like, I just, God, I just have sick of alpha nonsense. Like, if you need the time, if you need the help, go get the help. FMLA protects you uh, for that. So... Um, something else for, for people out in these jobs or in these uh, the military uh, crew integrity, building relationships with the people around you because, and it goes back to that peer support, having somebody you can trust. If you can't trust somebody on your team, um, you're screwed. And if you get to a place where you trust somebody, um, I'm a big believer in crew integrity. Uh, I think as you... It's good to work with other people, but when you know that when the other person turns left, they're going to take three steps, stand up, and roll over, whatever it is, you know their patterns, you know their behaviors, you're more likely to protect each other when something goes wrong. You're going to notice when they show up to work a little off. You're going to notice when they are taking a little more time and they're 
their anger is not in place, and you should have the ability to step into that. Um, so as guys are going through that and you're looking at what to do if you're a leader in your organizations or you're a leader in your life, keeping people together um, is big. And then you said bring up one more thing before we get out of here. Mindset, perspective. So walk us through how you take your perspective, like when you talked about the slivers, but how do you take the perspective? All these things happen to me throughout my life. Some good, some bad. But you could either dwell as the victim or you could step into whatever it is on the other side. What does that look like for you? And how does your mindset help you moving forward? And where where can we start to apply it and where can we start to look at it so other people out there who may be in similar situations can say, hey, I get that. I understand that. How do I walk into that? Sure. So I... I can I can look back and I can see all these things that have gone wrong and I can see as you know we joked about earlier the the failures and this repetitive kind of repeating cycle right but but truly you have to understand that you're meant you're you're meant to live you're meant for so much more in this life you know it is a religious you to live for so much more. Remember? I, I right, got right. right. We did it. Right. We did we it. Did it. <laughs> Try so, to get that in every episode. So, right. You have to, that has to be something that you've got to understand. Okay. You, that, that is one thing for me that there's no way I refuse to believe in any way, shape or form that that this is it for me, that, that my life is just supposed to be this, yeah. right? Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I refuse to believe that because I'm a miracle. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle that I wake up every morning. It's a miracle that I'm here. It's a, And the things that I've been through, is, as bad as they may be, man, there's a million other good things coming my way. And I truly, truly believe that. Like, I, I know that. I know that, and I, I know that because I look at guys like you, Derek and, and Justin, I look at guys like you and I think to myself, you know, I'm surrounded by so many people that love me and so many people that are rooting for me. And I look at my wife and I look at my children and, and people who might not have their wife or might not have children, you know, we were promised something you know if if you're a religious person right we were we we were promised so many things and and this is just fuck how do i say this without sounding depressing mate let (laughs) it rip just let it go man i like it when it's a little bit depressing yeah look man heaven's heaven's waiting for me okay my king is waiting for me and and if i go if if my little short little stint, this little blip of life is a little bit rough, oh well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh well. Because my kingdom is coming. You know what I'm saying? And that that's the truth right there. I can be as down as ever and be like, man, we've Justin, you and I have joked about this, Derek. There's so many days, right? There's a comedian who talks about why is there so many days? And, and sometimes it feels like that. It just doesn't end. 
Yeah. Really? There's there's 40 more, 50 more years on this earth? No way. It, but the truth is, is for me, I just, my, my willingness to just not give into this, to not let it define me, fuck that, man. I am not this disease, dude. I am not this injury. I am, that's not who I am. I don't buy it. I'm not believing it. I'm not giving in. There's days when I feel like it. There's days when I get into shit moods and I, I talk like shit to myself. I'm sure everybody does. But it's like I'm meant for more. I know that for a fact. And if I have to keep pushing through a, a couple more years, a few more decades of hard time, my, my kingdom, it, it's coming, man. My place in heaven, it's coming. And I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? My... I, I don't I don't know how the fuck I do it, bro. I, I don't know. I just wake up and I refuse to give in. I refuse to stop. And I is sick and is fucked up and as awful as things have been. There's no way I'm stopping. There's no way. There's no way that. There's you. You never know what tomorrow brings, right? Yeah. You put you one foot ahead of the the other, and you just keep walking. Well, it's just just keep going. It's, it's full on, like I was on last time. It's the Winnie the Pooh. And yeah. today was tomorrow. Like it was too much day for today. Like, it, <laughs> like if I'm worried about... We don't remember the exact quote, but we, we get the gist of it. It's so, so good. Wow, it's such a great thing. Like, And then, again, you, you have to know if you're going to have good days and bad days. And if you have somebody you can lean into, and if you don't, find somebody uh you guys with this forever broken stuff uh this community is working towards having a place where when you're having a bad day you have somebody to reach out to like it's hard yeah Um, absolutely like the 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 whole idea is if you don't meet somebody in the group or you don't already have somebody we'll be somebody for you um yep you know we are available all the time um, you know, night or day, if you guys need something, you just have to reach out. And if we don't um, immediately answer, there's somebody in the group that is going to, I mean, somebody in here in our group, uh, is going to say, Hey, reach out. Like all you have to do is be willing to say, Hey, I'm having a bad day. And we're going to be there to help pull you out of that, or at least be a hand for you. You know, we may not get you through everything but we're going to be there for you and we're going to be kind of that foundation that support to help you stay on your feet and that's all we really want to do and that's what we're going to keep doing um and that being said you know this will be a great place here as we're moving into this to at the end of every episode or towards the end of every episode we always try to do a takeaway um and we'll just kind of start i'll start with justin i'll let justin what what you did you take away from the last two hours here and then we'll go to Condon and then I'll kind of jump in there. Uh, again, so first off, I always like to have a good story or something. I think, I think we should end with something good. So I'm going to give you guys something to look into. This is a fact. If you take a piece of paper, 0.1 millimeter reader thick, and you double it a hundred times, I want to get this semi-correct. I believe the final thickness of that paper is, First off, why don't you guys make a guess? If you double a single sheet of paper 100 times, how thick 
will the paper be at the end of the hundredth double? So that means one turns to two, two turns to four, four turns to eight, eight turns to 16, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hold on, I've got a piece of paper. I'm going to be here folding for a minute. It's going to be. I was thinking. I was thinking. Ten foot. Yeah, that's pretty. I was thinking like six foot. Worst guesses ever. Ten Uh, inches. Get on the Google machine. If you, this is one of those. If you don't trust me, you can look it up. There's some uh, scientists. They have the equations built out for you. With if you folded it or doubled the paper 100 times, the thickness of a single sheet of paper would be 93 billion light years. Long. It would wrap what? around the entire, I think, universe like fifty-three thousand times. This is fucking um, crazy. <laughs> what did you just say? Fold it a hundred times. So if you take, so if you just look up, if you fold a paper one hundred times, or if you double a paper one hundred times, by the time I think you reach like the sixty-third, Jesus, criminally, it, yeah, it says ninety-three long, like, billion light years. Yeah. So that's a. Super fun. Fact. That's a sliver, bro. Yeah, that's that's a dumb that's thing. That's a sliver. When you're watching Jeopardy, you're going to be like, thank you, Justin Thompson, for setting me up for success. Final Jeopardy. What is 93 billion light years? Um, that just blew thing, my mind. Yeah, it was, it's a stupid fact, and it's in there. So good luck with that. Um, really, at the end of the day, like identity and who you are um, don't don't come from, from what you do. And... Our past affects every single thing we do. And we put this thing on ourselves where we feel like we're being judged for it. And that is ultimately the biggest bunch of BS, right? Like, so for for you guys out there, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter if it was done to you or done by you, you are not alone in it. Um, Jeremy's story points to that. You know, there's times when we feel alone, and that's when shit gets hard. That's when that how how long would it take my family to get over me thought shows up. That's when that suicide, and it, there's you can't even do it. But uh, ultimately, you're not alone. Um, it's hard when you feel alone, and when you feel like that, it's that time, and you can't do this anymore. It's it's nearly impossible to reach out. But if you can, do it. And you don't even got to say much. Just just, just know that people care about you. People have been through it. They may just have a different angle on it. There's empathy, sympathy. Step into it with somebody else. Find somebody you trust. Give them the bullets to the gun. And pray they don't shoot you. But, but you're loved. You're cared for. You're a miracle. And that, that's what I get out of talking with Jeremy every single time I talk to him. So um, before I'm really done talking, Jeremy, thank you. Um, and Derek, thank you. Thank you guys for letting us come on the show. I look forward to more conversations like this, and I hope that somebody out there can pick something up or can throw Jeremy questions, ask him about his life, try to figure things out, but give him more reasons to come back in because uh, if you guys are really looking to care about yourself and figure out life. I think this is one of those guys who will be there for you. So yeah, this is absolutely, uh, we're going to do this again. Uh, I mean, assuming we get time and Condon has time and <clears throat> Justin has time. I think you're a great co-host. So we're going to bring you back for sure. Um, and just so you know, this was only five times, like right there. Yeah. 
five folds, which is just so. Crazy. Listen, man, this is what I'm talking about with slivers. It's the same concept as that piece of paper. If you're you're struggling, just find one little tiny sliver in the day and hang on to that fucking thing for dear life. And as you start collecting them, before you know it, you got a you got a twig, you've got a branch, you got a tree, you got a forest. And apparently and anyway, ninety-three billion light years worth of fucking paper. Ninety-three yeah, billion light is, years worth of paper. You've named the episode. Right there, Jeremy Connor just named your episode, Derek. Slivers. Slivers. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, Jeremy, what did you take away from the last two hours here? Uh, man, uh, you know, both of you have given me really good insight. I, I, I like how you call it a tra- uh, uh, post-traumatic stress like injury. That's a very good way of looking at it, and uh, um, and with with Justin, when we talk about, you know, like you said, I I guess I've kind of always looked at it as knowing your enemy, but it, it turned out that it was also, I I it was also knowing myself. I just didn't really know that I knew that that's what I was going with, but like you were talking about, you know what I mean? Like I knew, I knew what I knew. But I didn't know say it knew. like you said it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't know that know that I knew. But because I know that I know myself. Yeah, it's your bull. Yeah. But my head up myself. his ass. Yeah. Exactly. You wanna my clay penis. Yeah. But <laughs> don't rename it. Don't stop one of the forty six. We might just rename <laughs> it the clay penis episode. <laughs> it's gonna be a two parter. I'll name the second part uh slivers and the first part clay penis. No, it's mine. The thing is, it's Mr. Clay Petus by Jeremy Collins. Yeah. It's a poem. You you have to know, you've got to know, uh, you've got to know yourself, right? And you've got to be able to talk. And that's something that I've always been able to do because if, if, if you don't have somebody to talk to, like you said, find someone because you would be surprised how many people out there are just like you. Yeah. They're just like you. You know, you get rid of the labels for a second. Get rid of the red team, blue team. You get rid of, you know, whatever side you're on. Every Find that commonality. There's commonalities between all of us. And I guarantee you, you can find someone and just say, hey, have you ever had this? And they might say no, but you'll find someone sooner or later that says yes, man. And, and that one person let them become an anchor for you like you talked about earlier especially in the fire service and in the military when you're if you can find someone that can recognize when you're you or when that other part of you when your shadow is showing up that 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 thing that you you know what I'm talking about yeah. when you're when that person comes around that can recognize hey he's he's not quite where he's normally at today Find someone like that and to keep you in check and to be brutally honest with you, and that that's very important. And and you nailed it right on the head with that. I think it's a it's a very very good idea. I wish we would have touched on that more. And that's uh, again, we'll have time to go back, and we we've got a future here that we can just do it again, unless Condon says no, what you just did. Uh, but uh, I'm not meaning right now. I'm saying in the future, just so you know. Uh, but it is. It's one of those things you know i just there's always somebody 
So th that was definitely, that's what I hope people take away is that no matter what kind of pain you've had, no matter what kind of injury, we all have somebody out there that's going to recognize that. And as soon as we can remove the labels and the bullshit, you know, it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not red versus blue. It's none, none of that shit. That's just absolute horseshit. You know, it's us versus all of those trying to hurt us and bring us down and keep us away from each other. And we have to be able to fight through that and come together and remind ourselves that we're all, like you guys said, destined for something. And, and it, it's whether you meet that or not. And it's you versus you. So if you're having a day, you're having a bad day, you're not comparing yourself today against somebody else. You're comparing yourself today against your, yourself yesterday. Exactly. Uh, which, God, that was one of the fucking things that Nick said last week or two weeks ago. That I was just like, fuck. We talked better. about depre depression is being worried about our past and the anxiety is being worried about the future. Yep. Oh, God. Like, that just... That one really struck with me, but that's what it is. You know, we're so worried about the future and the past that we kind of forget about the now. So Condon's great at living in the moment. And that was what I kind of took from a lot of this um, was just that, God, just be more in the now, be in the moment. Instead of worrying about everything, don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just live, just be here and collect those slivers, collect the kindling and make a fire because it just takes a little bit more time sometimes, but you'll get there. I mean, you're never going to just run into a desolate, barren wasteland. There's always something that you can find. So that's what I took from it. Um, I think I had, this is the part where I have to mention we do have social medias. So hit us up on Facebook. We have the Never Broken Society of Misfits. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. All those fucking social medias that most of us don't know how to use yet because we're old and can't keep <laughs> yeah, up with technology, but, uh, share it, um, get it out there to somebody. Even if you don't know if somebody's heard and share these things, um, like it, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you're at, uh, leave some comments, some bleep bloops and comments down there in the, the bottom. If you can, uh, let yeah, us like know share review. Like it helps us of. get out there to somebody else. Yep. Uh, if you another person, something, uh, yeah, tell us. Let, let them know. Uh, we, the only way to get better is through honest feedback. So uh, yeah, we're all about. Down uh, if you want to sponsor the show uh, with uh, Bang Energy Drinks only, uh, just call me. <laughs> yeah, just comment uh, that uh, if uh, you want us to have Roman or, as a sponsor. Or, also, uh, Grizzly Straight Long Cut. If you're out there listening to this, it's uh, the only guy. chew that doesn't cause cancer. <laughs> That's scientific. Actually. Food. That's a so fact. That, that, you know what? Next this episode, is scientific. I've heard the down, stories. Go down it with Condon. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Condon. Uh, I, I absolutely think you're one of the best humans I've ever met. You may not be uh, a perfect person, but damn it, you're a perfect human. Um, you're flawed in every single way that we love. You're honest about it. You make people happy. And we're grateful that you came on the show. Derek, thank you for letting me jump in and co-host with you. Um, yeah. For everybody out there listening, again, like it, share it, subscribe, uh, get involved in this community, help it grow, and hopefully take care of somebody you know who you don't even know struggling and has loved another loved, and there's people out there just like them. Yeah, word of mouth is huge, so get out there. Uh, 
like you said, like and share and uh, leave a uh, comments. We're all about uh, getting, you know, critical input just as well as positive input. So we can't get better without you guys. You guys have gotten us this far. We've got a million miles to go. So we're going to keep pushing it out there. Uh, that being said, I'm going to do what I do and hit that sweet outro. Love you guys. Love you too, Or it's not going to work, so I'll just do everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah.